Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk USA. Are you tired of waiting for change? Tune into Blog Talk USA. Let your voice be heard on Blog Talk USA. Welcome, welcome everyone to Marvelous Monday. We are so happy to be here with you on this most marvelous day of the week. Let me tell you how you can always find us, listen to our live programs and our archived episodes. The number to call to listen live by phone is 515-605-9375. And if I could ask everyone to press mute when they're not speaking, I do have all the lines open uh, tonight. The website for our 24-hour network is blogtalkusa.com, and our Blog Talk Radio channel is blogtalkradio.com forward slash blogtalkusa. You can also find Blog Talk USA in podcast form, and you can find Marvelous Monday under that banner. However you're finding us, we appreciate that you're doing so, and we appreciate that you have been listening for so long. You make our our time worth it. You make this channel worth it, and we appreciate you. Okay, now let me give you over to your host for Marvelous Monday. Let's see, my beautiful and amazing mother, city councilwoman, (laughs) Mayor Pro Tem, Dr. (laughs) Shirley McKellar. (laughs) Welcome. Good evening. Good evening, Ms. Brianna. Thank you. Boy, what a... I hope I can live up to that interview. Um, excuse me, that uh, uh, what, what, whatever introduction. <laughs> That's the word. I just couldn't pull it off my tongue. It was there somewhere. There somewhere right. was hanging. So, how was your week? Hope you had a great weekend. And welcome yes, right back here wonderful. to Marvelous Monday. Exactly. Fully vaccinated and household so, here. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Well, Miss Rihanna, can we please, please, please get that message all around Texas, all around the nation, so that we can open these doors and get back out there and get to some form of normalcy. That's what I'm looking forward to. What about you? Absolutely. Yes. yes. Spending and time with people and you know, yeah. hanging out and getting back to business again the safe and right way. And, and exactly. it's happening slowly, but surely that's what leadership looks slowly. like. That's what leadership looks like. Well, I'm telling you, we're going to have an amazing show this evening. But before we get going, let's see if all of our great group, our team members are out there. Mr. Arthur, are you there yet? Yeah, how are you doing tonight? How are you doing? Yeah. Hey well, Center, we're doing, doing great, Ms. Arthur. We're doing outstanding. Great. What about yourself? No, you said you're doing great as well. And we say go back. Okay, we say normal now. Some, uh, some might like our hematitis. <laughs> some, some may what now? <laughs> say that again. Some may like what? Some may like our hematitis. Our oh, hematitis. I see. Like no. the hematitis. Hermit. Hermit. <laughs> yep. A hermit. Yeah, no, no, I, I've never mm-hmm. been good at being a hermit, <laughs> so I'm I'm ready to rock and roll and get back out there. <laughs> uh, I'm growing whiskers. I've been uh, hibernating for so long, 
But uh, anyways, <laughs> let's see. I'm glad you're here. Miss Rihanna is here. And let's see if uh, our brother, Mr. Michael Cooper, Pastor Cooper, are you there? Hello, hello, team. How hello. How welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome, welcome. Great. Thank you. Thank you for being here. So uh, we, we have an amazing show going on tonight. Uh, let me just share with you quickly before we get going is that uh, I want everybody to be able to view a film, a documentary uh, about uh, finding Miriam. And so we may have uh, Mr. Eric uh, Williams. Everybody knows Mr. Eric Williams. Uh, he uh, ran for Congress here in Texas at some point in time. And I think he may be considering that once again. Uh, but uh, we know that he was with CNN and a lot of other networks for a very long time. And so uh, he just uh, put together a documentary that he's been working on for three years. And I'm honored to be able to be a part of that documentary. And so uh, if he comes in, he's at a graduation now. As you know, this is the end of the school year. Graduations are happening. Uh, they're out in the open fields and the open uh, stadiums and so that people can still spread out. So he's out there in Duncanville, Texas. Uh, with his nephew graduating tonight. So he may have the opportunity uh, to come in and be with us. But we'll, let's let's kick off this uh, show with uh, Mr. Joe Jaworski, which I think that he's already on. Uh, if you are on, Mr. Jaworski, that's our next uh, upcoming attorney general for the great state of Texas, and he can tell you all about what it is that he wants us to know. But welcome to Marvelous Monday. Are you there, sir? I sure am, Shirley. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and thank you for coming. We're just so excited to have you on. Let, let's first start out by uh, by sharing with us just exactly who you are. And uh, I, I believe you're related to somebody that all of us know in this country, well, not just in Texas, but in this country, right? Go ahead. Well, that's Shirley, that's so true. That is so true. I, my name is Joe Jaworski, but... Uh, many people know me as the grandson of the great Watergate special prosecutor, Leon Jaworski. Leon yeah. Jaworski, who was wow. born in 1904 uh, in Waco, Texas, and he was the youngest uh, attorney ever licensed by the Supreme Court of Texas. And, you know, he was like 19. They called him the boy orator of the Brazos. <laughs> and let me tell you, wow. his first case was a court-appointed case, and, you know, he went on to a great claim. Uh, well, in 1944, at the age of 30, you know, like eight, uh, he said, I've got to do something. I guess he was, I guess he was about 40 almost, surely. And, and okay. he said, I've got to do something for our war effort. And he was too old to fight, but he joined the Judge Advocate General Corps. And he wound up prosecuting uh, Nazi war crimes, both civilian and military, at Auschwitz, Dachau, Hadamar, and several other locations. Uh, he came back to Texas and was Lyndon Bain Johnson's personal attorney uh, and uh, was very well respected. And um, he, he sued uh, at the request of um, Attorney General Bobby Kennedy – he sued uh, the University of Mississippi and Ross Barnett, the racist governor of Mississippi, uh, so that they would integrate Ole Miss once and for all. Um, and so that was a great success. That was 1963. And then, of course, he, he thought Nixon was all right, 
Shirley, he was Democrats for Nixon uh, in 68 right. and 72, but, but little, little did we know how bad Nixon was. So Leon Jaworski accepted the job of Watergate special prosecutor, thinking <clears throat> that Nixon was, you know, not culpable. But when he found out otherwise, he, he knew what he had to do. Now, I grew up in that family, Shirley. I've been talking about my grandfather. That is the sort of guiding principle I bring to the fact that I'm running for Texas Attorney General now. Yes, yes. And that, that's the, this is the beauty of this whole thing is that the legacy that your grandfather started way back in the day uh, that now we can fast forward and you're you're bringing it right in. But before you get before you really get into the story, this it's, it's such an amazing thing to have you on tonight. But we want to acknowledge another one of our uh, team members. I think uh, Dr. Richard Hagney. Are you on, Dr. Hagney? Yes, I'm on. Good evening. Yes. Good evening. Oh, okay. Okay. Good evening, Dr. Hagney. And we'll we'll have everybody have an opportunity to introduce themselves to. Um, to uh, Joe. He's going to be with us this coming Saturday, and we're just so excited. But to have uh, all of this history right here on our show tonight is just amazing. So go ahead, uh, Joe, and tell us anything and everything that you want us to know. We're just so excited to have uh, you right here with us tonight. Well, you're so kind. Well, just to kind of put it in perspective, Shirley, first off, to all the guests, hello and good evening. Uh, It's an honor to be there, and I look forward to being in Smith County and Tyler on Saturday, and I hope to see all of you. Uh, I'm 59, Shirley. I'll be 60 next year when I take the oath of office to be there your you next go. attorney general. You see, I'm being very positive. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, I, have been, I have been a Texas trial lawyer for 30 years. Uh, my dad was one, and, of course, Leon was. So I'm a third generation, and I am proud, as can be, that the fourth generation is knocking on the door my son, or my wife's and my son, Lee, is finishing uh, college up in Boston at Boston College, and he wants to come home and go to his great state law school, University of Texas, and uh, practice law just like his mom and dad. How about that? Um, and That's so, all right. That's uh, amazing. I, <laughs> so, so I, you know, I grew up in, a, in a, a, a home that respected the rule of law, and certainly I took the oath as an attorney. Shirley, 30 years ago, it meant something to me. I remember Vernon Jordan, uh, there you go. the great attorney, uh, yeah. gave our uh, commencement speech. And I thought, well, this is great. Vernon Jordan is speaking at my commencement, and Richards is governor. We have a progressive state. Um, you know, the future is so bright. And, Shirley, I don't want to ever dwell <laughs> in pessimism, but just look how far our government has fallen in the last 30 years, you know. Yeah. Um, so, 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 you know, a, a man takes measure of a situation, a woman does too, and that's why we run, because we think we can do better and we think we owe it to the next generation, um, because young Texans can't possibly be left to believe that this is normal conduct, what we're witnessing. Um, Greg Abbott, Dan Patrick, Ken Paxton, and all of them, uh, they yeah. are – they are abusing our great state of Texas, which needs work, and it always did, but they're going in the wrong direction. And I say, you know, the mayor pro tem of Tyler ought to have something to say about that. I think you're right, sir, and I, and, and I appreciate that. Listen, let, let me ask you a couple of things, though. So 
So is it because of your grandfather, uh, the legendary uh, Leon Jaworski, that you decided that you wanted to do this? Or is it because of what you just laid out to us that 30 years ago, our country and our state of Texas looked so differently from what it looks like right now? So, so and, and I, well, if I'm, I may say I'm, it's like a, a layered sandwich. I'm going to say it's both there you because, okay. because the way my grandfather raised me, I mean, I got to tell you, Shirley, believe it or not, mm-hmm. in the heat of Watergate, I was 12 years old. I was on spring break. And guess what my grandfather said? I mean, he's got Richard so, Nixon breathing down his neck. He says, let's get mm-hmm. Joey up to Washington so he can witness history. So, I, wow. I lived with my grand, grandmother and grandfather for a whole week at the Jefferson Hotel. You could smell my grandmother um, making the spaghetti red uh, from the, the beautiful kitchenette in their little suite, and she would make some of our fa- favorite meals that we would eat in Texas while my grandfather was working. So she lived with them, and it was like living in home. And I got to see his office, and I got to see him do work. So, so you take those memories and all the hard work we've done to raise our family, and you see Donald Trump. Well, that's when we decided, Shirley. It was last July. Donald Trump was coming around the bend, as they say, um, uh, you know, pumping it for re-election, and it was just one, you know, day of mayhem after another. Uh, And my wife looked at me, and and this is really important, Shirley, because, you know, you try running for statewide office with – without your partner's permission or grace. There you go. Good, good <laughs> luck. Impossible. You know, so <laughs> it's impossible. So she said, yeah. she said, look, I know you've been wanting to run. Because, you know, Shirley, I was, I was mayor of Galveston after Hurricane Ike, right. and we can talk about right. that. But I've taken a break since 2012, and I've done okay. what a man needs to do and, you know, raise the family and put the college fund for the kids in order and pay the house off, all those obligations of mature life. So to answer your question, it was both, you know, in my DNA to do something when injustice is being uh, produced in our great state, but it's also an opportunity time. It's a, it's, I can't do this 10 years ago. I won't be able to do it 10 years from now. Now is the time. And so I think I owe it to my state, and that's why I'm running. Very good. So then what was it like as a 12-year-old to see – Watergate 7. What was that like? Do you remember being there in Washington, D.C. with your grandparents? Go ahead. Absolutely. Well, I mean, when Watergate first came on to my attention, I think it was my cartoons in the afternoon were being interrupted. And and I thought, (laughs) well, what's this? And then then you'll remember the first Watergate prosecutor was Archibald Cox. Exactly. He would – right, and – you know, I didn't pay attention to that. He was, uh, you know, obviously uh, a Kennedy uh, friend of the family, and, you know, he was from Harvard, and he had a bunch of, you know, great young attorneys um, from Harvard and Yale, and so it was very much a Northeast thing. Well, you know, Richard Nixon didn't like that, right? Right. And so that's why they fired Cox, because, you know, he was getting close to, to too much information. And they, Nixon thought he had really done a number uh, and was going to succeed. But this wasn't so long after, you know, the counterculture, and uh, as Nixon would call it, uh, and Vietnam was still, you know, just a recent, you know, issue, the Paris peace talks. I mean, I mean th- we're talking Halloween 73 when the uh, Saturday Night Massacre occurred. 
um, and uh, right before Halloween. And so what I remember is being yanked away from my trick-or-treating, Shirley, to <laughs> go to my grandfather's house where they said we're going to meet Reverend Lancaster because we're going to have a family prayer. What's going on? Okay. Why can't I, you know, get my candy? Well, son, we have to go now. So uh, apparently my <laughs> grandfather had already been persuaded by Alexander Haig, who you may recall was the chief of staff sure. of Nixon sure. at the time. Sure. And mm-hmm. he knew. I mean, I mean, Haig is a real sympathetic character in this whole Watergate affair because he's the one who, who counseled Nixon. You know, we've made a mistake in firing Cox. We, we thought we would reduce the pressure. We've actually increased it. We need to find a cooler. We need to find someone who the country trusts who won't cause too much trouble. Well, long story short, it was Leon Jaworski. So to answer your question, how was it for me? I was 11 years old when he got appointed. I was just a little sixth grader. And, sure. and all of a sudden, his name, his name was on everyone's lips, and it was in the paper every day. So it was, it was a heady time. I mean, I mean, I was the only child, so it, this attention was unusual. But by the spring, March, uh, when I turned 12, going up to Washington, D.C., and seeing my grandfather – uh, do that work, I think I had a sense that something was up because, surely, I walked mm-hmm. with him one time in the, in the crisp March air in Washington from his hotel to his office. He had his briefcase handcuffed to his wrist. Wow. And another, another memory, this is crazy, right? Another memory uh, is they had a large Wells Fargo safe in their suite and he would simply put, when he was done with his work, his briefcase in there and lock it. Because, you know, Watergate was all about breaking in and stealing papers, right? Exactly, um, yeah. I mean, so, so those are two images that will make an impression on a 12-year-old, I promise. Wow. So then, so my goodness, the, which obviously you were not old enough to really realize what was really going on, or were you? Did, did they explain well, what was going on to you? Well, I mean, over time, uh, I did. Now, now I, you know, certainly my grandfather, we called him the colonel because he was a uh, lieutenant colonel in the, in the U.S. Army when he was prosecuting Nazis uh, in the European right. theater after the war. Uh, so we affectionately called him the colonel. But he would confide in my dad, who I guess in 76 would have been, I think, 40, um, he would have been uh, 42, I think. And so okay. he was a great law- lawyer in his own right, and um, he would share these concerns with them at their ranch in Wimberley. This is where Leon would go to ponder, you know, and, and gather strength on what he'd need to do. Um, so what I remember, though, afterwards, I remember going to see all the president's men with him when that movie yeah. came out. You remember? Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and of course, that. Yeah, and, and they, they treated us to this VIP screening and all that. So, you know, it was over time I became aware of what he had done. And, of course, now at age 59 and certainly for the last several decades as an attorney where his seminal case of United States versus Nixon is taught in every law school in America for the maxim right. that no man, no man, not even the president, is above the law, um, you which go. you can imagine – Surely, has some applicability here to my race with the Attorney General. Okay, which brings us back to where where we really are tonight, and that is you're running for 
Attorney General. So tell all of our listening audience out there uh, why you are the very best candidate for this position. And I mean, with this background that you have, that speaks volumes right there, what you just laid out to us. But give us more on uh, on your position uh, as Attorney General and why we need to get rid of the person that we have. Well, that's a great setup. So let, let me start with, with me. I mean, and because I haven't said one bad thing about Ken Paxton yet, um, but my <laughs> qualifications, I think the main qualifications are twofold. One, well, certainly the background, which we've talked about extensively here, but as in my own right, I've been a trial lawyer for 30 years, and I have worked for the judge, uh, uh, Dwight Eisenhower appointee John R. Brown, who uh, was appointed to the appeals court of the Fifth Circuit. This was the great court, um, the largest constitutional court of the land that integrated the South after Brown versus Board. And, you know, a lot of people didn't get it. And the Fifth Circuit was the enforcement arm of the federal government. That's where Leon Jaworski went when he uh, sued Ross Barnett to make sure James Meredith was admitted to Ole Miss. That's where all the Department of Justice actions took place. So what a great judge to work for. That's how I started my career. Then I worked in the defense business, um, serving oil and gas in, interests in a maritime law career. So in other words, I would uh, – it was a very Texas thing to do, you know, oil and gas, Port Arthur, Beaumont, Corpus Christi, Brownsville, and you really got to know the Texas Gulf Coast and all the businesses. What a great exposure uh, to such a great industry. But then I went to the plaintiff's side, Shirley, and this is really where I had my awakening as an attorney, representing men, women, and children who were injured, killed, discriminated against. Uh, I, I filed a number of civil rights actions in federal court in Galveston and Houston. Yes, and, and you know, 42 USC uh, is a powerful tool, Title VII, uh, and, you know, I have to say uh, it's a shock to me just to say something about Mr. Paxton that the Texas Attorney General's Office does not have a civil rights division, and that's going to change when I take the oath. Uh, I'll have one. So, so I did plaintiff's work. Now, somewhere in there I got interested in local politics, Shirley. So I served okay. six years on the Galveston City Council, and like you, I was mayor pro tem uh, sure. for two years. And I, I learned that the feet of the great mayor, Lida Ann Thomas, she was my mentor. Uh, what a fabulous woman. She was the mayor during Hurricane Ike, and it really, really affected her. Um, but she was able to go up to Washington, D.C. during that two-year golden streak of government wow. where Mr. Good. Obama was president, and Mrs. Pelosi was the speaker, and Mr. Reid was the majority leader. The, the government that gave us the Affordable Care Act, yeah. that was when Galveston appealed to Washington for aid, because our congressman was Dr. Ron Paul, and he didn't want to help us, incredibly. Mm -hmm. um, so we got help from Sheila Jackson Lee and Al Green and Gene Green and other great Houston con congressional leaders. So I watched all this happening, right, and okay. ran for mayor when she was done. And so she was the one in the saddle when the hurricane hit. And she got the money, and I'm the one who got to spend most of it. Now, I'm going to take a breath right there and see if you have another question, because what happens next is really something. 
that that's outstanding. Well, I know that there are some of the other team members that want to to jump in here and ask you a couple of questions. I could go on, and I mean, I, I was fascinated by Watergate. I I remember uh, so well. Uh, when that was taking place, and, and we too studied, when I went back to get my degree in political science, we studied about Watergate and all of that issue that took place. But I'm impressed with you all bet. the work that, that you did there in Galveston, working from your city council all the way up to mayor. So uh, I'm going to try to follow your footsteps. But, Ms. Rihanna, if you want to jump in first, I, I don't know who wants to jump in first and uh, ask uh, ask a few questions. I like the fact that you said that you're going to establish a civil rights division once you become attorney general. There are so many things that uh, that needs to take place in our country, in, in the state of Texas, things that are being taken away from us that I want to see place put back in place, the voter suppression all the way down uh, to all these other issues that are going on down there in Austin, Texas. But uh, Ms. Rihanna, Joe, she lives out there in uh, Kentucky, but she hails from Texas, and uh, she's one of our uh, uh, co-hosts on this show. So, Ms. Rihanna, you can jump in if you have any questions, and then we'll go to Mr. Arthur. And then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Mr. Michael Cooper. Uh, So I know that you know about him and what his plight is. And so I believe in coordinated campaigns, and when you're running across Texas, the great state of Texas, the massive amount of land that you have to cover, it's nice to have somebody that's going to be right out there doing the same thing with you. Miss Rihanna, go ahead. <laughs> well, I think I have two two questions. Um, one of them is, is really just a, a comment, I think. Uh, could we just mention one more time for a third time in a row, I'm sorry, the Texas Attorney General's Office does not have what? <laughs> Believe it or not, yes, the Texas Attorney General's Office does not have a civil rights division. I mean, can you imagine? Wow. It's like it's like having one shoe but not the other pair. You know, the other one. I mean, you can't. There you go. You can't have an HE. You can't have an HE without right. a civil rights right. division. It's a major function of our of our federal Attorney General's Office, and it's just. Mind mind blowing to me. So I just want everybody and, 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 to hear that a third time. <laughs> and and Rihanna, I'm glad you asked that question because you know what what will you ever imagine Ken Paxton will do to facilitate the federal Department of Justice? Right. You know, I mean, nothing, nothing. As right. long as I mean, right. Mr. Biden's president, you know. Mm-hmm, exactly. Well, and here's another question that I have: um, it, Has it been Five years or six years now since Ken Paxton has been indicted on federal securities charges uh, and, and not yeah. come to trial yet. Is that five or six? I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be six? six this summer. I mean, okay. it's, it's, it's okay. five five years and ten months. Wow. Got it. Okay. <laughs> so I, I'm well, so glad you brought I, that I up. I do have a third Mr. question. Oh, go ahead. Go Sorry. Ahead. No, no, go right ahead. Well, a, a third thing um, that I was thinking of since the very beginning, um, I just think later on, if you could go into a little bit, to me, I just think it's fascinating, uh, your history, the family that you come from, and yeah. the dynamic of how Donald Trump and this corruption, this 
horrifying state of affairs in Texas and in the country has motivated you to step up to the plate and run for this office. Um, I just think people really, um, I, I think a lot of people are really going to be interested in hearing a little bit more about that because to me, this that makes this an integrity election for you. It does. That's well said. I like it. I'm going to write that down. And I use those words a lot. I mean, I, the first thing I say, why are you running? Well, I'm running to restore ethics and integrity uh, to the office mm-hmm. of the Texas Attorney General. But I'm going to call it an integrity election. You know, you've heard of change mm-hmm. elections. Well, this is an integrity election. Um, but let me say this, Rihanna. It's, it's about, you know, look, Texas, fortunately, is a growing state. People are moving here. There's organic growth. People are having babies. You know, they're, they're native Texans. And principally, uh, we are seeing growth of our communities of color, right? And so, so why is it, for example, that the Texas Attorney General doesn't have a civil rights division, doesn't have one person of color in his leadership circle? Right. You know, uh, right. why is the Texas Attorney General uh, taking the position that often prejudices our growing communities? He is completely out right. of step. And he needs to be exited. Now, he won't quit. We know that. He won't resign because he has no shame. And I'm sorry, that sounds harsh. But most people with a five-year indictment, and by the way, what's coming out of Austin and San Antonio would make Collin County blush because he's Mm -hmm. going to be indicted again, I speculate, on the abuse of office and bribery charges that is the basis of the whistleblower lawsuit you've read about. But, but anyway, right, um, right. this guy ought to resign and get a private job and take care of his personal affairs. But you know how it is with, with some politicians. They, they can't imagine not being in office. Um, right. They can't imagine not wielding that power. So since he won't resign, since the House won't impeach him, Rihanna and Shirley, we have to remove him the old-fashioned <laughs> way. And I'm not talking about a gangster movie. I'm, I'm talking about no, the ballot. No, vote, vote him out right. on the ballot box. Right, well, you that's know, exactly right. Can, can, I, turn, can I jump in to um, talk a little bit more about this civil rights thing? And then the reason why I want to bring this in is because we have one other person that's on the line with us, and I think, uh, Ms. Rihanna, his line is open now, and that's Mr. Eric Williams. I, I mentioned him at the beginning, and uh, we're 100 years at the back of uh, Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And then we're talking about some other issues. And Mr. Eric Williams, actually, uh, Joe, did uh, a three-year research on uh, a film called Finding Miriam, which is actually his uh, great-grandmother. And, Mr. Williams, I don't know if you're on yet. Uh, Mr. Eric Williams, if you are, let me know if you're on. Because, uh, because we're, what we're talking about right now is the fact that Ken Paxton does not have a civil rights division uh, here in Austin, Texas. And we know that he's been indicted uh, all of these times and he's still nothing has happened uh, for him, with him. And so there's a lot of issues that are going on, uh, Joe, in our city right now with some other issues, a lot of legal things. Uh, we always hear that uh, Smith County has a really bad reputation of having a lot of legal cases that uh, are just not handled fairly and equitably with the black and brown community. And so I know that there's going to be some people that want to ask you some questions in regards to that. But let me see if Mr. Eric Williams is there first, and if not, 
after that, we're going we're gonna to bring in some more people that want to, uh, that's raising their hand, so to speak, as Ms. Rihanna would say, uh, to, to ask you some questions since you're going to be our next Attorney General for the state of Texas. But, Ms. Rihanna, is Mr. Eric Williams on? It's, it's a 214 number? Yes. I yes. Believe. Mr. Williams, yes. are you there? Mr. Williams, we have yes, uh, Mr. Uh, yes, we have Mr. Joe Jaworski, uh, the grandson of uh, the late uh, attorney Leon Jaworski. Everybody knows him oh, from Watergate. Yeah. And so Joe is running for attorney general. And so I was telling oh, them about the film that uh, that that you have portrayed and you put together. And and you, I don't have to talk about it. You can tell us quickly. And then how we can tie this all into civil rights. Go ahead. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Well, uh, thank you for having me, uh, Dr. McKellar, and uh, having me on your show and, and your listeners. Um, it's it's a delight. You know, I hope this noise is not too loud in the background. Uh, no, you're but, good. Uh, okay, good, good. Well, my film Finding Miriam um, is coming out on Juneteenth. As you know, we're getting ready to celebrate the emancipation of slavery two years later here in Texas. As it was in 1865 when it was announced in Galveston. But I tell the story of brutal shadow slavery uh, through finding my ancestors, my slave ancestors in Harrison County, Texas. I travel all the way to Africa and back uh, to do this documentary film that has taken me three and a half years uh, to complete. And uh, it's, been, it's been a joy and a pain. Uh, it's been a discovery uh, and education all at the same time. And how it relates to civil rights, you know, we have people right today, uh, like you said in our film about George Floyd, their civil rights have been violated. My my own family's civil rights was being violated. Jordan Edwards was brutally shot by the Ball Springs Police Department. Um, you know, we can go on and on and on. My great great ancestor is buried next to the slave master that she worked and taught for for many years in Harrison County. And that's really disheartening. And I'm really excited by the fact that someone like Mr. Jarofsky is challenging uh, Mr. Ken Paxton. And we do need a civil rights division in Texas. I mean, because we have so many violations that are going on in Texas that need to be addressed and adjusted, that these types of things cannot continue to happen. And Mr. Paxton, under his leadership, has allowed a lot of the GOP, the grand old party, just to run amok here in Texas when it deals with African-Americans. And we really need to bring that in check. And I'm really excited about uh, new leadership possibly uh, down in Austin. And I would love to get to know Mr. Jaworski and, and, and help him with his campaign uh, in some sort of way. Um, and I, I'm just excited to hear that news. But I really want people to learn about the brutal shadow slavery that took place in Texas. This would be a great educational eye-opener. They want to change the way we teach slavery with the critical race theory that they're implementing all across the United States and certainly hope that at some point we can reverse some of that stuff because we need to tell our own story and our own narrative because the narrative has been whitewashed that has been told to our children, myself, and others included, and we can't allow that to continue to happen. So your listeners can... Find the film at findingmiriam.com with two R's, um, and there they will see the real, true story of what happened with slavery here in Texas. Thank, thank you wow. for that. Um, yeah, I know. 
so and so Joe, any comments? <laughs> in regard, yeah. See, and the reason why I wanted, well, let me just tell you because I know that you come from Galveston. You were a city council and mayor of Galveston, and we know that that two years late, we they rode into Galveston, Texas, to tell the black people that they were free. And some people say that it was on purpose. It was by design because they wanted black folks continue to work for free. And that's why that's right. So I don't know. Okay, but go, go ahead. Uh, well, I was just going to say, first off, Eric, Mr. Williams, congratulations. It sounds like a fabulous uh, project that you've completed, and what a perfect time to premiere it for Juneteenth. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, and, and I understand from Dr. McKellar, you were the, the former mayor of Galveston, is that right? Yes, sir. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Well, we have Galveston uh, portrayed in, in, in the film uh, where General Granger uh, proclaimed the emancipation of slaves here in Texas. Uh, and and I, I really love Galveston. Galveston is a beautiful city. Uh, you guys have done a great well, I, job down there. I, I, I was really surprised. Well, I love it. I'm so glad to hear you say that. Um, and that's where I'll be this Juneteenth with my campaign team uh, to celebrate uh, the reading of General Order Number 3, as usual, at Ashton Villa. Oh, uh, and, yes. and then what we have special this year is the great muralist Reginald Adams, uh, who is an American Leadership Forum brother of mine, has painted the most outstanding mural. It's called Absolute Equality. And uh, it is it is As a matter on of fact, the that's side. in the film. It's in, yeah. yeah. Oh, good. It's oh, in, good. It's in the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, uh, Doctor oh, McKellar exactly. narrates that piece. <laughs> that, that's why. That's why I wanted you to come in to have a little dialogue with uh, Joe tonight because I, it all <laughs> well, ties in together. <laughs> well, and, and, and give credit where it's so. Reginald Adams was was commissioned, and he just did a fabulous job. And, and uh, Sheridan Lorenz, who is George Mitchell's daughter, one of George's children, uh, she made sure that this mural happened. And Sam Collins III, our brother uh, down in Hitchcock, uh, who is a big leader uh, in Galveston County, Sam Collins, uh, Eric, you may remember, he's the one who uncovered the, uh, the grave sites in Sugarland. Ah, um, uh, yes, 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 the, the, the convict yeah, Lisa. So, Correct, correct. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. You know, uh-huh, where uh-huh. slavery slavery's abolished, or is it, you know? And and he, he blew the whistle on that and, and did it in a very dignified but forthright and firm fashion. And so he's really gotten uh, ever, a lot of attention, and rightly so, for that issue. So anyway, all of this is to say that the mural is going to be uh, unveiled or, you know, dedicated on Juneteenth, and I cannot wait, 11.30 a.m., uh, at the corner of 22nd and Strand, right where the mural is. Oh, no, see, I, I thought it had already been up. I didn't know it was just completely, uh, just just finished. Oh, I didn't know oh, that. Oh, I, that, I think he finished it about a month ago, yeah. Oh, that, I, I thought it had been up at least a year or two, so that's even better news. No, <laughs> absolutely. No, yeah, no, it's yeah. going to be a big deal. And uh, so we're going to be in Galveston celebrating that at 1130. And, uh, but I just think your your film and... You know, uh, the Biden presidency and Kamala Harris and, you know, all these things are happening, I think, for a reason. And, you know, uh, just the tragic death of George Floyd. But then, you know, we see examples of this happening in Texas as well. And yet there is no civil rights division. 
No civil rights. No. Well, you got you got my attention, I, 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 and 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 certainly, you know, if, if you need some extra hands and help, uh, I would love to participate because I like to see you elected. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I appreciate that. That is that is what every candidate wants to hear. And Mr. Williams, where can I find you? Where do you uh, call home? Yes, Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. Oh, perfect. Well, I'll. I'll be up yes, there sir. in oh mid I think mid July. We're we're doing something in the um, North Texas area, and uh, Sissy Oldner, who's in Collin County, uh, has been staying in touch with me. So I will uh, maybe through Shirley, yeah, but, uh, Dr. McKellar, I'll get your number. Yes, I was just ready to say that. Not yeah. only that, uh, Joe, you can see him this Saturday right here when you're right here with us. He oh, will be here on this great. coming Saturday as well. Okay, oh, okay, well, you're gonna be in town. We'll okay, time. beautiful. Yes, oh, beautiful, we're, doing a, beautiful. we're doing a big and, day and of I, events uh, in color. And I yeah, certainly want yeah. you to take a look at the film and please share it with all your, your residents in Galveston and, and everyone you can know that, that, that wants to be educated uh, on this situation. I mean, uh, I, I, I've taken this film from a different perspective, uh, from a modern-day perspective and interwoven it with uh, the past and tried to bring it alive uh, where people can understand it and, and, and see what really happened uh, uh, here in Texas. Right. Oh, that's fabulous. Okay. So it's findingmiriam2rs.com. Okay. Right. Yes, and, and I just Miriam. sent it. Oh, oh, yeah, I sent it over to him, and he'll he'll have it in front of him. So uh, thank you so much, yeah. Mr. Williams. I know you're having graduation, and we're gonna let you get back, and we're gonna bring in. Uh, uh, we're gonna bring in Pastor Michael Cooper, but I okay. wanted to to make sure that you guys got connected up to each other. Uh, and you have so much in common uh, with uh, Galveston and with uh, Finding Miriam and all the whole nine yards. So we'll, we'll continue oh, that, that, that's this beautiful. conversation on Saturday. Okay. That's Very beautiful. Good. And, 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 and thank you, Mr. Williams. And, 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 yes, sir. Likewise. And, 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 and tell Mr. Cooper I said hello. <laughs> yes. Hello, hello, hello. Come on in here, Pastor Cooper. <laughs> hello. He hear you. Okay. Oh, great, right. great. Good to, good, to, good, to, good to hear from you there. <laughs> All right. Yes, great to hear you. Congratulations on the graduation. Thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you. Yes, I got a, a nephew that's graduating from Dr. Bill High School. As a matter of fact, he's getting ready to uh, – got a full scholarship to TSU down in uh, Houston to play football. Oh, that's so, all right. Uh, yeah, yeah. You. So, Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So we'll be praying for him. <laughs> okay. The very best. All right. Well, thank, okay, come on in. Thank you so much, Dr. Kelly. Thank you. We'll see you on Saturday. Okay. Okay, likewise. So, thank uh, you now. Bye-bye. Yeah. Yeah, I'm Let's just excited. Get, 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 get Michael Cooper in here so that uh, you guys can exchange some dialogue, and then we're going to have Mr. Arthur Flemings out of Dallas, Texas, to come right on in. And I know that there's going to be some people that's raising their hand that's going to ask you some questions uh, Joe shortly, but we want to bring Pastor Cooper in because uh, we want to hear from him on what he is running for and uh, whatever else that he wants us to know tonight. And he's a regular. He's one of our uh, co-hosts on this show. But go ahead, Pastor Cooper. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Matter of fact, I always forget that, yes, I am a candidate for governor of the state of Texas, but uh, I get so excited about the guests and all the topics we have, and I give a little bit of attention to that. I'm excited about uh, your race there. Ken Paxton must go. Uh, and the issues that you're bringing up already tonight are some of those things that uh, I'm almost ashamed being African-American and not realizing that we don't have these departments in the state of Texas. So uh, it, it, it's, 
it's appalling, and uh, I am g- grateful for your race. And, uh, again, I'd like to do anything we can to do to help. But to speaking back off of some of the conversations you guys had earlier, uh, we, we have land in Sugar Land because, uh, like in East Texas, we have family members that migrated, moved around, and uh, they're still dealing with some of the uh, burial ground of the slaves. They're even on the freeway system on 59. And, and mm-hmm. a lot of people are not familiar with that. And uh, we still have undeveloped land that's uh, under court documentation to try to decide who it belongs to, who it doesn't belong to, where there's no buildings. And it's hard to find uh, property on 59 going towards uh, Sugar Land. Uh, with that being said, I'm going to really jump into your family. Hopefully you know some of these folks because I do have family in East Texas, but I, I, as an adult person, I ran across this guy by the name of Joe Tonahill. Uh Joe, does that name sound familiar to you? It, it does. He was a, a federal judge or an attorney. I can't remember which, but uh, he definitely uh, was a legendary attorney. Yeah, he was Jack Ruby uh, that killed Lee Harvey Oswell, and uh, he probably was a friend of your family's. Uh, he's from Jasper, Texas, and well-known uh, all throughout there, and... Uh, and also Jack Brooks is from that area in, in those areas. Oh, boy. Jack Brooks. Yeah. Well, I, I never met Jack Brooks, but I'm, I'm friends with his son, Jeb Brooks. Jeb uh, Brooks. Who, yes. Who, who's now part of the Brooks Foundation. He started that up. And um, so, yeah. so he, he's in Austin, but I've been in touch with him. As he was telling him, I said hello. I hadn't, I hadn't seen him in, uh, in about 20 years. And he was a young man <laughs> then. <laughs> he was sure. a young man then. He, yeah, and uh, Buddy Lowe was a friend of, of theirs. And all of these folks, you know, I, I'm a, a bit of a historian. I love it when you start talking about that time period. Your grandfather, I was seven years of age, and I was interested in politics then. And he was the, the, figures that, the figure that we need today. And uh, so I applaud your conversation. I applaud your history. Mm-hmm. I applaud uh, your, your, your race, your tenacity. Uh, you know, I can tell that you're not talking from uh, speaking from notes. You're speaking from your heart. This is what we need in politics. And matter of fact, my brother that you're going to meet here in a few minutes, he always talk about the voice of moral authority, and, and that's what I hear from you, that's resident from 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 what you're speaking of. And that's what we need here. That's right. I've said at the foot, yeah, and, and I, I've said at the, the the feet of these people I'm talking to you about. Joe Tannehill became a friend of mine. And uh, I was supposed to take my LSAT and go to uh, law school, but I decided to do some other things. Went uh, to uh, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, uh, received a master's in psychology, working on Ph.D. Not to my own horn, but I'm just telling you, I'm a student of learning so I can be better equipped to serve the people. Let me say it again. Oh, pastor, I'm a student right. of learning, yeah, to be better equipped to serve the people. In all areas, in all facets, because what we find out in this walk of life is that you never know uh, when, when you're being seen as a sermon, not heard as one. And so all of these people continue to uh, uh, come back when you talk about them. Matter of fact, three weeks ago, Arthur <laughs> and myself, we were fighting alongside uh, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee. Uh, there are others. Al Price is a uh, state representative, one of the first black state representatives here in the state of Texas. I, I sat at his feet for 20 years, listened to him. He was an American Airlines pilot, one of the first uh, that were there. So uh, when you start speaking, I just get excited because I can hear the passion. I can hear the history. Uh, and I'm going to shut up after this. Uh, there's, uh, I call her my adjunct professor. Uh, before she died in 1996, uh, Dr. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Barbara Jordan, 
Congresswoman yeah. Barbara uh, Jordan and Representative Barbara yeah. Jordan. Uh, she taught at LBJ, LBJ's uh, University and uh, what they call now online learning. Well, I started that out with uh, VHS. The way we would take her classes, they, they would record her in her, in her uh, 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 university, and then they were disseminated out throughout the rest of us. Beautiful. God, that's fabulous. Yeah, Barbara <laughs> yeah. Gordon, boy. I, I tell you, you talk about the voice, a moral authority voice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, and the way she, the way she on the on the on the impeachment panel in the House, she said, "Yes, that's the Constitution is my God. The Constitution is my soul." You know, the way she talks about it. Oh. There, there's so never been another one like her. I, I don't. No, I mean, no, no it has Powerful not. women out there, but I mean, it's just something about that roaring voice, right? That got everybody. Absolutely. She was a female EF Hagney. Go, go ahead, Mr. Arthur. I know you want to jump in, and then we'll bring and then uh, Dr. Hagney next. Go ahead. Mr. Sure, Arthur. you kind of remind me of uh, me. Voice, so still. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, uh, Mr. Uh, I'm so thankful you've been here tonight. Uh, and I too, uh, at the time when I I was going when I went to Asia, uh, next door to Vietnam as I was veteran. So uh so I got to like, um, you know and so, so it, it was really impactful. Uh, and and like and the theater uh, folks like that that that, that can and, and it's, it's just, I couldn't get a uh, uh first one uh, what is the most was the most suppressed area in Texas? Uh, for well, what you can can't raise but you look at that out. And uh, and, and you say you were the uh, was the mayor of Austin. Now, what was the deal that brought being walked down the middle of the street? That was that was the battle. So we should know that. Is that a policy? Yeah. The, you know, anyway. Shirley, uh, I don't know if it's I, I'm me, not but, sure. Uh, Were you able to hear everything that, that Mr. Arthur, I think he's having some difficulties with his telephone. I, I was Were you not able, able to, to hear? Okay. 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 And so, I was not either, okay, uh, Mr. Arthur, I was not able to okay. pick up everything that you would I thought I heard you say what is what is the most suppressed area of Texas? Oh, is that correct? Which, no, I did hear that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, but you, you are going in and out. So you wanna you wanna dialogue on that uh, first Joe and then we'll try to figure out what the other uh, question was. Yeah. Well I mean it's so interesting to ask. The most suppressed area of Texas. I mean it's about to be you know, the entire state with this voter bill. But <laughs> yeah. in, in, in terms of, you know, I, 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 I think that maybe I may not be the best one to answer that question. I think that is a good question that I should ask um, hmm. because my, my ears and eyes are, are up for everything. But I could certainly make an argument that it's rural Texas. I sure could. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I could, I could make it that it's East 
rural Texas, frankly. Absolutely. Um, you know, okay. You know, I, okay, you got that one. Uh, you got that one right. Oh, you got it right. nailed it. <laughs> okay. Yes, he did. Yeah, you nailed it, Texas. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, so what's your strategy? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good question. It's really Texas. What's well, his, uh, sure. So, so I think, Joe, the question was, what is your strategy to help uh, us in rural East Texas? Sure. So, and first of all, black boat out um, in East Texas. A- absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, we're we're starting early. Number one. Uh, two. We have identified that, you know, in 2018 there were around a million. I think it was just under a million. Democratic primary votes. So uh, upgrade that to a million and one. So 550,000 votes are needed to be able to serve. You have to get through the primary first. And so what we're doing is we want to go to the rural counties where the votes are. Would you be surprised if I told you that 45% of the Democratic primary vote is in, not surprisingly, Houston, Dallas, and San Antonio. But the other, for another 45% is in about 50 mm-hmm. counties down in okay. South Texas, East Texas, uh, mm-hmm. and around the, the urban core. So that's why we're coming to Smith County. Well, we that's, know that. That's <laughs> why, right? right? Yeah. That's, that's why we're going to be in Jefferson and Longview yeah. um, awesome. and, and Tyler uh, and yeah. the surrounding counties. So. But the specific answer to your question, I think, really is twofold. And these are two promises I make. After I take the oath of office, you know, people always ask, you know, well, what are the first thing you're going to do? Or what are the top three things you want to do? And, and I know what they're getting at. It's like, what's the priority? Okay, here's one. Sure. Here's one. The attorney general appoints a first assistant and then like eight deputies. And by the way, these are the people that turned – Ken Paxton into the FBI, okay? So that's all you need to know about what's coming for Mr. Paxton. Um, and they all got fired or they resigned out of disgust. All white men, and you know what? He missed a real opportunity when he fired him to appoint new people because he appointed all white men. Now, look, that's great. Right. I'm a white man, and, and there's lots of great white men, okay? But what right. a missed opportunity. So here's my pledge, number one, and and I would say this, that I am going to appoint a leadership council of men and women, white and of color, that reflect the face of Texas. So that's number one. Excellent. Right. And and it's it's an honest promise, and it's, it's a realistic thing to do. You talked about TSU. Well, you know what? There's a lot of great lawyers coming out of that university every year. What would happen if you had an attorney general that was not embattled and trying to hide out, which is what Paxton is doing, because he'd get mm-hmm. you know, protested everywhere he goes. What if you had an AG who would make quarterly re- appearances to recruit you know, at, at these law schools and, and say, look, you know, right, we want to have a leadership council that looks like Texas so that, and this is to get to your, your answer, young lives of color and and white lives it Mm -hmm. in east texas west texas north and south can look at that leadership council and say i could do that one day that's me right there very good we're missing that that. all right so that thank you 
doctor. So, so that's number one. And then I think the second answer, how can I help East Texas be most suppressed um, part of the state? Civil Rights Division. You know, I mean, thank God for the NAACP, Malda, LULAC, and, and all the other God's work uh, nonprofits. Um, but you ought to be able to call the government, I believe, if your civil rights are being violated. Why, why can't you call yeah. the government? Yeah. That's right. And so, so a civil rights right. division, I guess, would, would, would allow that. I mean, there ought to be a good phone number, and then you, you have someone who's paid for your, by your tax dollars who's going to come and make a file and come out and investigate. Very good. Very good. Okay, I know, I know I, that. Since was there. Go ahead. What was that, Mr. Arthur? I'm sorry. I just what was that? that? Oh, you know that you remember the man that was walking down, down with the horse and you know, it went by. Oh, uh, no, what was the I situation? Do. I do. No, no. How did that happen today? I wish I could hear more of what he's saying. I, I didn't hear what you said. I, uh, t- I, I think he said, what was the situation with that? that? How did that happen? Right. Yeah, this was last October. Was Donald Neely. Uh, and, you know, it was the iconic image, just horrible image of, uh, of I think he was, he's, he's got some mental health issues, to be fair, but you don't put a, a rope around a guy and then walk him, parade him, really, uh, oh, yeah. through the Shackles. downtown streets. Yeah, Shackles. yeah, and, and he just, he had no choice but to <laughs> walk like that, otherwise he'd be dragged, and, of course, um, I'm glad that our police chief, who is a man of color, uh, immediately, um, you know, I think Ben Crump got involved, and there were a few other attorneys. Right. And uh, right. and the police chief, his name is a good guy, Vernon Hale. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he, you know, uh, he has been selected since I was mayor, but I mean, I would have certainly supported him. Uh, I, he took it very seriously and made sure to identify the policies that allowed this to happen and that it would never happen mm-hmm. again. Right. Okay. Uh, Dr. Hagney, come on in. I know you have some questions of uh, Mr. Joseph. Hello. Hello. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks for being in East Texas. Mine first, uh, everybody know my uh, my interest, my concern is health care, health care services. And my, uh, if, uh, if uh, I advise everyone running an office to know something about health care, uh, uh, now, Dr. Hackney, I think your phone is going in and out as well. Yeah, I don't okay. know why we're having these difficulties out of, of these two well, lines tonight. Okay. Uh, it's probably in there. Uh, yeah, that's a broadband discussion. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, can you hear me now? Broadband. Yeah, yeah stay right there. <laughs> can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. stay right there. Yeah. Okay, the first, first major issue, my concern is health care in the state of Texas. Uh, and then when you think about the time, what the impact of Texas denying Medicaid, and then want to tie in a little history, start with equity and disparity of health care. There are some relationships we saw on the plantation we still see currently today. Mm-hmm. So health care is a major issue, the online factor in everything we look at. And when you think about it in Texas, we just saw life expectancy decrease by two years in black population mm-hmm. in Texas. Not to mention what the COVID virus saw 
uh, identified as it relates to healthcare preconditions and all the weakness in our, our current healthcare system that we is not what we uh, uh, look to be. So there are a lot of issues. And I like to know your your impact initially on what you're going to do in relationship to Medicaid uh, acceptance in Texas. Then also you can look at um, maternal morbidity in Texas. It's totally un- unacceptable that a uh, death, death rate in blacks in Texas are three times white individual. So when you look at that, mm-hmm. see how health care is tied and all to that. Then that down the last thing I'll mention in future Texas, I talked about a future Texas, these Texas, <clears throat> and your comments earlier about East Texas, but the issue to solve East Texas problem, not only East Texas problem, but also throughout Texas is what I call uh, the octopus plan. We saw this when we organized the uh, the East Texas Healthcare Task Force. In that group, we have 20, about 20 units in there, and this relates to the octopus plan. See, what we probably what we try to do with the octopus, we try to destroy one leg at a time. This happened nationally and and also statewide. Well, to address the issue, you have to t- to slow down an octopus. You have to have a plan that would attack all legs simultaneously. And what we have done okay. historically, attack one leg, and then we move to the next leg, and then we wonder why 20 years later we see the recurrence of the problem we thought we saw 20 years ago. That's because we moved the other leg, and that leg we left regenerated itself. So our the solution, I would say, in Texas is the development uh, looking at the octopus plan. In other words, tack all issues simultaneously instead of one issue at a time. Uh, and so and, and we look at East Texas, what we've done successfully with the healthcare task force, that's what we had, we've done. That task force consists of individuals from churches, criminal justice, education, uh, environmental, all those areas will tack uh, 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 simultaneously and also politically as addressed to health care uh, disparity needs in East Texas. So my recommendation to anyone any, uh, to look at a program overall, develop an octopus plan where you attack all the issues, all the problems simultaneously, because that's the only way you're going to slow down an octopus or stopping. But if you attack one problem at a time, that, that's what we, we've seen in America, and that's what we've seen in that's why we see. So we need to solve those problems by attacking all the problems simultaneously. But the big issue in Texas is the health care issue in Texas as it relates to those points I mentioned earlier. So I'd like to know uh, your opinion, your plan to address the uh, sure. in, in the state of Texas. Well, yeah, Doctor, thank you for that. It sounds like you've been thinking about this and working on it for a long time. And so let me start with what you brought up first, Medicaid, uh, the Medicaid match. I mean, it is unconscionable that our governor uh-huh. – and Lieutenant Governor and, and their lawyer, Ken Paxton, uh, who, who could be independent of all of that because he's, he's not their lawyer. He is a statewide constitutional executive with his own office, but he just is their conciliary, if you know what I mean, like the mm-hmm. lawyer for the mob. And, exactly. and these guys, don't, they don't want to draw down the Medicaid match because Barack Obama – wrote the Affordable right. Care Act with his Congress. And so I think we know what that means. And it's, it's, it's yeah. upsetting to me because, because you know how much it costs us, doctor, is, and I know you know this, $5.6 billion a year. So we legally, devotedly pay our income tax 
uh, every year. And it turns out our governor gets to just say, well, you can keep it or give it to Wisconsin or New York or California because we don't want it because we, that is, we Texans, we we have a fetish about being, you know, independent of federal oversight. And that's that's the same thing that got our lights turned out and people dying in their lover's arms in February. And and so, so now they're killing us. They're killing us thanks to ERCOT. They're killing us thanks to the Medicaid match. Uh, not being accepted. So here's my promise, doctor, is that, uh, you know, I will support the Affordable Care Act, period, end of story. And and so what that means is, after I take the oath of office, should there be any lingering litigation that Mr. Paxton, you know, continues to file against the ACA, the Affordable Care Act, it will be dismissed on day one and no apologies. Um, Number two, you'll finally have a statewide advocate pounding the table saying that we need to make this match and the legislature needs to do it. So I will find somehow to apply pressure to where that happens because that's a lot of money to ensure men, women, and children. And and here's what I'm saying to Republicans, Democrats, independents, as I go around the state, people are still getting the health care, even though we're doing our best to keep it. Because you, because -hmm. you know what, they go to the emergency room when they get sick. And it's usually a county-funded public hospital. And let's just see, how do we pay for that? Well, it's called the property tax. (laughs) And and, and so I tell these guys in the country club setup, you know, know, your property tax is way too high. You're paying income tax. Why aren't you getting some of that back to take care of the tens of millions of people that need it? Have you ever asked that question? And so they all just kind of look at each other. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's important because we're getting uh, uh, screwed here, to use a legal term. Um, and sure. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's Greg Abbott and, and Dan Patrick and Ken Paxton, and they need to own it. So here's, here's the promise, doctor, is that this time around the Democrats, we're going to be just as vicious as they are because now is our maximum opportunity moment to flip this state uh, because the Republican yeah. Party is about to – uh, entertain us, and it's going to be a horrible show to watch. Uh, the most shameful primary in Texas history is what you ought to call it, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's going to be it's going to be a race to the bottom, where it can be characterized yeah. as this and this only. Mr. Trump, please pick me. That's what it is. That's the yep. Republican primary in a nutshell. Right, right, that's right. right. Very good, very good. Well, uh, this is our... Go ahead. Does somebody else have something? Oh, I'm just huffing. No, I'm just yeah. Right. Okay, that's yeah. What I'm no, it's tough worthy. <laughs> well, a couple of things that that I want. This is very interesting, uh, Joe. A, a couple of things that that I wanted to ask, and I was just thinking about it as I was reading all the news and everything that's going on today in regard to um, uh, Senator Manchin and the uh, the filibuster rule and then I wanted to see what your thoughts are on that and then uh, and then I want to ask the question and this is a really deep question because we know that uh, uh, that you were you were almost involved with Watergate you started your legal career very early in life and I'm impressed mm-hmm. with everything that you had to say but uh, but I think about the people that uh, that went to jail doing Watergate uh, well, we know Howard Hunt, I, I guess, went to jail, and a few others uh, may have gone. But but should 
And then when you first opened up, let me go back to that. When you first opened up, you said no one is above the law to include the president. So we know that it, Nixon was part, pardoned, and, and there may be some more people that get pardoned. But do you feel that, that these people who have committed these crimes, uh, I don't care what office they have held, that they should be pardoned and, and they can walk away uh, from crimes? And, and then there's the others who end up going to jail for, for whatever reason, even if their sentence was not that long, but at least they, some of them went to prison. But what are your thoughts? on that? How would you handle that uh, in the great state of Texas? Or or just ha- what your feelings are in regards to yeah. those two issues? Well, it, you know, it, it's interesting you should say that. Yeah, the, the, the wealthy, the connected, the powerful, they're the ones who get the pardons, right? There you go. And, there you, go. And, you know, pe- uh, young men and women, principally of color, who are arrested for possessing recreational use amounts of cannabis don't get the pardons. But they get sent to prison, oftentimes a private prison, so someone can make a profit off their incarceration. Um, that's a sick society, a very sick society, what I just described. So, so I'm, I'm looking at this holistically. I'm against private prisons. I'll do everything I can to shut them all down. Uh, you know, whatever the attorney general can do, you can count on me doing that. That's, so in other words, if a society has too many crimes being committed, if that's what they call them, and, and they're like, well, we don't want to spend the taxpayer money to build the jails necessary to incarcerate all these people. We'll just let Buddy over here make a profit because he's, 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 he's won the bid. Now, that is a sick society. So one thing I'd like to do is legalize recreational use cannabis in Texas, and okay. I'm an advocate for it. I, you know, I, don't, I don't know that this you know, is a new thought. I know I'm not the only one talking about it, but – it certainly sure. has not only just income, but, you know, a palliative so people aren't taking opioids, which is a, a lot of the reason why that life expectancy keeps going down, people just ODing on opioids. But most importantly, yeah. it's the social and criminal justice reform. So, so to talk about pardons, if, if someone is in jail, if some young adult is in jail only because they have had possession of personal use amounts of marijuana. Now, if it's got guns involved or violence, this is another question. But right. if all you've done, if we pass a law that, that removes this wasteful, petty prosecution from the books, and that's all you're in jail for, you get out, you know, uh, and your record gets expunged. But, you know, you have to just be in for only that. Now, back to the question of pardons. Sure, you know, Richard Nixon was pardoned by Ford. And, and in fact, I think mm-hmm. my grandfather counseled that my grandfather was a principled man, and he did not believe Nixon could get a fair trial. He, okay. he did not. And in, and in fact, you're not going to believe this. Well, you, you will believe this, but he prosecuted with great deal Auschwitz, Dachau, Hadamar, the Russellheim death watch. Wow. He wrote a book about wow. it called After 15 Years, and LBJ wrote the foreword in 1960. Well, he was prepared to do Nuremberg, but he had an objection to the way the American military courts were about to proceed because they had passed a law after the war ended and were going to apply it ex post facto to the Nazis. Right. Now, you know, we had laws that were adequate on the international stage, but he said, look, this not, makes me very uncomfortable. I don't believe we can do this morally. 
Now, I know that's an interesting thing to say about Nazis, but, you know, he certainly <laughs> had many of the ones he prosecuted hang. Okay, so, you know, he did his job. But talk about a principled guy. So all I'm saying is Nixon got off because my grandfather thought he couldn't get a fair trial. I think Ford wanted him pardoned just because he thought this was going to be a, a national nightmare if we have a, a trial. Um, right. And, of course, it cost him re-election because Carter was elected in 76. Um, right. but, but, but all these pardons Trump did, you know, pardons, I tell you, I'm not a fan of them. Uh, I mean, I mean, I, I just, because it's always so un, uneven. It's like, it's obviously who has access to the leader, you know? Sure. Sure. Well, well think about this. Uh, even, even Trump himself, I mean, we, we reflect back on January the 6th. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a retired United States army officer, uh, Mr. Uh, Arthur Fleming's, uh, uh, Air Force, and so so we were troubled by what we saw, and we saw military personnel uh, that was part of that insurrection, and uh, and and we know who was behind all of that, uh, and so people are saying, you know, that's treason, and so so they want they want uh, this guy in prison, and they want these people who uh, who actually took action. Uh, in prison as well. And we know what the whole entire story was from the beginning to the end. We know, uh, I mean, we know those dog whistles and those code words and all of that. that you bet. Coming from, yeah, from Trump. So what are your thoughts on, on that particular issue? Yeah, no, they need to go to prison for what they did. That, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's dangerous. And, and they're angry, and it's, you know, a, a, just an inch away from violence, and then it was violent. And, and I, I am telling you right now, the FBI and the United States Attorney's Office are doing great work, and they're using technology, as they well should, uh, to identify these people. And I'll tell you, a lot of them are, for, are from Texas. Um, exactly. Texas. Yes. Yes. You know what I'm talking about. And There's a radicalization <laughs> problem in Texas. <laughs> I'm telling you. It's, and, and, now, and now you can get a, a gun – you know, uh, just like going out and buying a loaf of bread. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. You know, you know yeah, those little, those old, a six-week abortion ban out there, too. And, so, you know. Absolutely. So <laughs> think about it. A six-week abortion ban, a gun, you know, in every kitchen, uh, and, uh-huh. you know, now the voting rights, which, you know, we were able to buy mm-hmm. some time by breaking right. quorum, but you know they're going to pass it at one of these special sessions, and the governor will sign it because it will make the governor look much more far to the right than he really is. I, I feel sorry for people like that. You know, they, they feel like they can't do anything other than remain in office or accelerate to a higher seat. They can't imagine just going home and being with their family, you know, it, <laughs> right. and, and, and we suffer for it. That's mm-hmm. right. That, that's absolutely correct. Ms. Rihanna, I think you had something mm. to say. Go ahead, Mr. Uh, Arthur. The thing, mm-hmm. yeah, not not hearing them. Uh, has, right. Can you hear me? Okay, now? if you stay right there, yes, yeah, stay right there, and we'll be able to hear you. I think. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> maybe you can text you his question. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you may have to text. I don't know why you're having a difficulty coming in uh, this evening. Uh, we're not having rain here, so we're, we're coming in really loud and clear. So 
not sure what's going on. But, Rick, but okay, try one more. Arthur. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Now, there's a fascist movement. This not saying it's we erase and just turn stuff saying deal issues as it actually so uh Republican is it regular just crazy or but how are you looking at them? Are you see uh a man a move uh we're actually not getting enough of it for me to um to figure out what what you're saying tonight, I didn't get any of any of that. A lot of times it helps just to hang up and call back in. <laughs> sometimes that, yeah, sometimes that, that mm-hmm. does work. Ms. Brown, I think that was something that you were trying to say to um, to Jeff. Did we lose Miss Brianna as well? Oh, no, I was just talking away no. on mute. Sorry. Yeah, you were on mute. Yes. Okay, go ahead. Um, actually, I was really um, happy when you just brought up uh, the fact that your grandfather declined to participate in the Nuremberg trials on solely on the grounds uh, of the prosecution being based on laws that were um, added after the fact. Um, I learned about that, I I don't even remember how old I was. My mom was in college uh, when I was little, and sometimes she didn't have time to read bedtime stories to us, so she she read her papers that she had to write for class uh, and proofread them to us. And I learned that fact, I think I was in sixth grade when she was reading a paper that she was doing about uh, the Nixon impeachment and about um, your grandfather, actually. Um, Oh, man, that's fabulous. And, yeah, I learned that that fact about him, and I thought I've always thought, well, that's really principled of him. Like that's that is integrity. Talk about integrity again. Um, right. So I, I, I just I knew that little fun fact, and I'm glad you mentioned it. <laughs> oh, I mean, and, and it's so it's so obscure, you know. I mean, I mean, I'm just so right. pleased that 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 resonated with you. Absolutely, and see, that's, absolutely, that, that's why. Well, isn't that why well-rounded education is so important? Because Joe, her mother, and myself, we're nurses. We're registered nurses, but we had to study all that history and that government and all of that as well. So that's why it's so important to have a well-rounded education, isn't it? I totally agree with that. A liberal arts (laughs) education with a specialty, of course, uh, is, is what America needs more of. And I think we'd have better voter turnout if more people took care of that. There yeah. you go. I'm so glad. And you better that results out. from elections. And better yeah. results. There you go. Because one of our primary things that we're focusing on this coming Saturday is uh, to get our young kiddos more involved in civic and social things so that when they grow up to become 18, then they'll run to the polls to vote because we would have ingrained that into them as little bitty people. Uh, when when oh, they're growing up, my God, you are singing yes. my song. I'm but, telling see, you, I thought so. I thought so. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you, my father well, and my mother used to take us out there 
to when they were putting things out, uh, knocking on doors and putting out uh, push cards and all that. We were just little bitty people too, but what we had to go with them because uh, we were not going to be home by ourselves. So, uh, so we have to get our students early, early involved in what's going on around them. So we'll have some youngsters out there for you on Saturday. Oh, that's good because I'll tell them about um, our organization, Future Voters for Jaworski. Uh, and now, you know, typically we're talking high school students that, that will be 18, you know, by November 2022. Right. But what I want to remind everybody, and this is remarkable, two things. The law is on your side. There is yeah. a Texas law. It was passed in 1985 by a, a Dallas area uh, legislator, uh, and he brought the He's since passed away. I'll look his name up. Uh, And it says that every high school principal in Texas, public school, private school, charter school, doesn't matter, is a deputy voter registrar and must offer registration to the senior class twice that year. That's right. Right? And nobody knows this. And it is a law. It is actually. And so if you don't do it, you're breaking the law. And I guarantee you there is one particular Texas Attorney General who is not enforcing that law. Mm-hmm. And I think we know why. <laughs> yes, we know exactly why. And, and, and you know something, and they cannot fight against us when we go to the schools and tell them you have to make sure that these senior students are registered to vote. And, and, and they're even saying if they're, if they're going to be turning 18 after they may, that you should hand that voter registration form right along with that a diploma. That, and get absolutely. And, and, and you, you know how gleeful the kids are when they get their driver's license when they're 16. Mommy, Daddy, there I need go. a car. I want my driver's license. Where there is that go. zeal? Where is that zeal when they turn 18 and it's time to vote? I want that to be the same thing. Outstanding. You're absolutely, absolutely correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pastor Cooper, any comments from you? We're, we're getting near the end here, and, and we so think, uh, so appreciate Joe for sticking in there and hanging out here with us uh, yeah. tonight. He's, uh, we're just uh, in awe of uh, his history and his background, and, and it's just so, like so uh, reaching out to him is just like touching his grandfather. Absolutely. It's also refreshing. It's refreshing, too, when you hear I mean, this is what I grew up with. I mean, so it, it didn't have anything to do with the fact that you're on this side of the track, that side of the track. Uh, it, it didn't matter if he was Caucasian or black. The things that right. he's talking about is sensible, and mm-hmm. he's holding others accountable. This is what I, I heard as a, as a young man growing up. That's the reason why for 30 years, as I was a profession, professional automotive executive for, for 30 years, I was able to bury my head in the sand and say, okay, the lawmaker's going to take care of this. Well, when I retired and woke up and saw people like Dan Patrick running, you know, lieutenant governor, uh, right. more uh, excited about what's going on in the restrooms than he was what's going on in the classrooms and trying to make our <laughs> schools the, the F-rated schools. And uh, he wanted to put a grade, a symbol on them so that they can control housing and and, and, and redraw the lines for districting. And, I mean, mm-hmm. so, I mean, this is refreshing. So I thank you, Joe. Run, Joe, run. <laughs> thank you, Pat. Very good. Yeah. I Absolutely. Like that. And right, right back at you. Right back at you. 
I think there's no higher calling than, than running for office because what you're doing is you're, you're soaking the fires of democracy. And that's who we are. Mm-hmm. We are direct consumers of democracy, among other things. And that's why right. I got to say this. It all comes down to the vote. This is perhaps the most consequential thing is vote. And, and, and so yeah. when, when people uh, are seen as preventing access to our voting, we have to ask why. And, of course, they say right. there's voter fraud. And what I'd say, doctor, is I object. Imagine me being in court. Your Honor, I object. I object to the right. term voter fraud. I mean, have you ever voted illegally? I haven't. And I don't even no, know anyone right. who would even consider such a thing. So no. what they do is they say it's voter fraud, but of course what they really mean is, you know, election fraud. And look, I mean, if, if there's a candidate that is out there trying to abuse the process, we'll throw the book at them, but it's very rare. Mm-hmm. In terms of very voter rare. fraud, like all of us, all of us are meeting in a restaurant to conspire how to turn an election. Right. It never happens. Never happens. Exactly. So, exactly. you know, what I'm telling people, Shirley, is, you know, look, okay. we have laws. If someone were to do something stupid like that, they will be caught and punished, just like sure. when you speed on the freeway. And, yes, there are people who speed on the freeway, and, and yes, they get tickets. But what, what they don't do is reduce the freeway to one lane and 20 miles an hour. Right. You know, exactly. uh, that's what exactly. they're doing to our vote. That's perfect exactly. analogy. And I like that's the way. Perfect. Yes, I like the way you put that. Uh, that's how. Yeah. Well, I tell you what. I, I have I have another question uh, that my inquiry mind wants to know, and then we'll bring Dr. Hagney back in if he want has a question. But but what are your thoughts about? Because I'm, I'm I'm really concerned about um, uh, people who sit in these high positions, such as the president, and then they think that they're above the law and they can get away with things, but. Uh, but what about uh, self-pardoning? Is that is there a law uh, on the books <laughs> about, that? <laughs> about that? I know it's never it's never happened, but we never know. But go ahead and talk to us a little bit about well, that. Well, I, I I remember, you know, you're right. And w- when that brought up that Trump's going to pardon himself, apparently right. there is a split in authority as to whether he can or cannot. And it's, okay. there's like one of these just impossible Department of Justice memos on it, you know, like when they sort of, you know, excuse torture. You remember that memo? Um, right. I it do. Was like, yeah. Actually, we can. Enhanced interrogation. <laughs> yes. Enhanced interrogation. So there is a memo out there that supposedly addresses this, but I don't think that there's a definitive answer like like the constitutional scholars are on both sides of the question i i you know and i remember thinking man he better not do that and of course then he kind of backed Mm -hmm. off and and didn't didn't try to pardon himself and so so that's something that bears more investigation but i it it wouldn't pass the smell test let's be honest okay i'm with you okay dr hagney and then i think mr arthur's back in there so we're going to go back to him after dr hagney I just want to congratulate Joe, but also his his uh, emphasis about uh, having representation from East Texas. Mm-hmm. I really like that idea and the health component. But I, I I I'm looking forward to seeing you share this. So let let's make it happen. Uh, remember East Texas, and and let's keep visiting and talking about East Texas. Amen. Yeah. Absolutely, Doctor. <laughs> I, that's a good one. I will. As, as you can see, people are, are partial on this phone to East Texas. Probably <laughs> a lot of us live right here in East Texas. Dr. Yeah. Abney is a retired, he's a retired pharmacist, 
and uh, and so drugs and healthcare is is his big issue. And I'm talking about legal drugs. He's, he's got a piece of paper that he can push drugs, but they push him legally. <laughs> I got you. I got you. I got you. But, well, the yeah. doctor so is Mr. Arthur, I, Go ahead. Are you back in there, Mr. Arthur? I don't know. It's interesting. Oh, I, I thought I opened. Can't you might have us on mute, Arthur. Yeah, unmute yourself and see if we can. You can jump in there. I know that you've been wanting to put a lot of questions out there, and you okay, haven't been you, able to you get in. Yes, there you are. Yes, we can hear you. Very good. You know, Go ahead. Stay right there. Okay. Yeah. Remember, it's doing it again. Focus. Uh, because he needs to just why I say most text two million people in thirty eight cases uh and uh they have they have precincts thirty eight pre they Well I mean uh six precincts. Okay, you're talking about pre- Okay, you're talking about precincts. Yeah. And what about precincts? Yeah. Yeah, you know. They only have only have uh C eight I mean eighty precincts and C eight like two precincts. Sure it is your campaign at East Sex and help us uh, down there. Okay. He's I heard something about precincts but he's saying come into East Texas and help us down here with all the precincts, working with all the different precincts. And let me just share, uh, Mr. Arthur and and Joe, that on this uh, Saturday, we will have uh, the Democratic uh, Club out there and we'll have all of those members. They're actually going to be set up to register voters. And uh, so they're going to have some questions of you as to how you think that they can be able to work each and every one of their precincts, which it may be what Mr. Arthur is trying to say to us. Some of the things that yeah, I heard person him. can yes. Okay. Go ahead. In, in well comments. I just was gonna say I heard him say thirty eight precincts, but that's it. That's Correct. so if you can interpret and, and Smith, it for me that Right, that in, in Smith County uh, uh, that precincts. Six Okay. Thir- you said, say that once more, Mr. Arthur. I think I can hear you. Go ahead. But anyway, just need just text and I. He, he said, in other words, we just want you to work. We just want to work East Texas so hard for the simple reason that the votes the votes are out here. I ran in Senate District One. There was a million uh, people that lived in, in in that district. I mean, excuse me, in, in that Senate district, and and we only could get maybe three hundred thousand or so, a little bit more than that, uh, to the polls. And all the rest of those people are just hanging out there that need somebody to say, will you vote for me? And so if you can, we can make those rounds and cover those areas. It's enough people, even here in East Texas, to win any statewide seat. That, well, that's right. They vote, they vote sporadically, Joe. They vote – well, they think the most important vote is the presidential election. And nobody is, is spent, well, 
they haven't heard us talking about the importance of midterm elections and local elections, city council, uh, county commissioners, uh, your legal system, your all of those uh, around the nation that uh, they should be voting for that they don't vote for. And so we push well, the you're fact so right. that all politics is local. Go ahead. It, it okay. is. All politics is local. The best government is local government, you know. And I mean, but, you know, the president gets his or one day her due. Um, but I'll tell you this, uh, the attorney general is going to keep suing uh, President Biden unless until we get him out. And so, you know, right. if, if some people like President Biden and want to see him succeed, you know, or at least have a shot, you know, we, we need to remove the obstructionist uh, known as the Texas attorney general. You know, we have a phrase for it. It's a very obtuse phrase but i love it because it actually sounds like something that it is ken paxton is a vexatious litigant yeah that's what he is he is a vexatious litigant he files frivolous lawsuits and let me tell you something he is actually going to have to answer to the texas state bar here in the near future for the frivolous lawsuit he filed up in washington dc when he tried to overturn the election yep Mm -hmm. exactly Exactly. And, and I can't well, wait until that time comes. Go ahead, Ms. Rand. Aren't Republicans uh, traditionally, historically, at all for tort reform and, and against frivolous lawsuits? And um, boy, Correct. they became so happy with this whole ushering in of Donald Trump. <laughs> they yeah, they and, embrace and, lawsuits and the heart, now. <laughs> you are so correct. And, and the heartbeat bill, right? The six yeah, week yeah. Uh, abortion bill, which has as its most awful feature well certainly the six weeks time limit but the fact that any individual in texas can sue Mm -hmm. just because you're a citizen you can sue the doctor you can sue the person who drove the woman to the clinic i I mean it's truly galling it turns 200 years of legal precedent on the question of standing on its head Mm -hmm. and so frivolous lawsuits boy i'll tell you there's one right there and yes um ken paxton you know they're all hypocrites in this regard and it's you know time Mm -hmm. that we start you know pointing fingers at them and saying this is wrong you know you've defaulted Mm -hmm. uh and then the other thing that you would like to say about republicans they used to be the government that uh, they used to be the party that recognized local government was the best government. They have abandoned that. <laughs> yes, they have they abandoned have. that because they're, they're telling cities and counties, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. So yeah. that's, that's not right. conservative. That's right. 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 Absolutely. So Joe, let me ask this. Let me ask this pressing question that I have here. So, we know that you got some strong boots to follow. <laughs> I mean, your your granddad uh, and uh, was an amazing, brilliant uh, young man that uh, that entered law school as a child. Almost, uh, I, I have somebody else that's a young lady that actually is at Baylor University. Excuse me, strike that Southern Methodist University. Uh, your your granddad went to Baylor, right? But this young Correct. lady is at. She's at Southern Methodist University, and I believe she graduated from college at, I think, 14 or 15, but she's in law school now. Now, there's some strong, strong boots that you got to follow. So what oh, would you like to I know, your I know who you're talking about. You're, you're oh, talking about yeah. Haley Schlitz. 
Oh uh-huh. my goodness, <laughs> that is my girl. You are exactly. Oh, I met her. I, I met her in Fort Worth. We went and campaigned for uh, Dr. Jared Williams, and uh, yes. I'm proud to say he won, uh, and that is great. And I Very met good. Uh, Deborah good. Peoples there, and I'm so sorry Very she good. didn't win. Uh, I'm so but sorry I met Haley, she, and my 17-year-old daughter was there with me, and I said, this girl, this, this young lady, excuse me, uh, is 18, <laughs> yes. she's about to graduate law school, and my daughter was like, there you perplexed go. by There it. you go. Well, let <laughs> she me was like, what? With you. <laughs> I know that Haley's father was my campaign manager when I first ran for Congress, and we brought Haley here be our keynote speaker. We wanted every all these youngsters to see Haley and what she is uh, doing. And, and and I don't know if you know the history uh, behind Haley since we're talking about civil rights and all of that. I don't know if you know why Haley came home one day. You know her her mother is a physician, a black female, and yep. dad's Caucasian, Correct. right? And so Haley came home uh, in the I believe Miss Rihanna was it the sixth grade, fifth grade, or sixth grade? Which one? Do you remember? I think she was in fifth grade. I think fifth, fifth grade, right? I, I think you're. I think you're right. So she, she came home in fifth grade, and and so the young Caucasian girl that was in her class, they were studying mm-hmm. um, slavery, and she says, uh, said to Haley, "If slavery was still in existence, you would be my slave." And I don't know if you know that story or not, Joe. Do you? No. Oh my God. Yes. So Haley went home and told her parents she was never going back to homeschool her, and they homeschooled the other two. And I don't know if you know that her her brother graduated from uh, junior college. She was 12 or 13, and uh, they're just amazing, brilliant, brilliant youngsters. And so uh, I wanted these uh, students here in East Texas to hear Haley's story and see her. So she, we had a big event at the Country Club here, Willowbrook Country Club, and we were actually honoring uh, the Freedom Fighters. Uh, the the eldest Freedom Fighter that we honored here in Tyler was 108 years of age. And as a matter of fact, she died that night uh, after we had the event during the course of the day. And so we honored uh, black men and women in their late 90s and uh, 100. We had one that was 104 and then the 108-year-old, and then we had one that was 98, and all of them were in their 90s and up. And Haley was the keynote speaker for that event, and those men and women were just in awe of that young lady. Oh, my God, that's fabulous. (laughs) I know. It was was amazing. Well, we – we we had a great uh, night, a uh, little listening circle, and uh, Haley and my my daughter met, and uh, they both spoke up. And then we went to church the next day with uh, with the Schlitz family. Um, Wonderful. Uh, well, and I think I think I think William's wife uh, keeps her own name, right? Uh, Doctor. Yeah, she does. She does. Okay. And but anyway, we were well. Actually, I think it was just Haley and William. And and myself and my daughter and then Jared uh, and his wife. Anyway, we had a great time. Outstanding. That's outstanding. Well, they are amazing people. Uh, live out there in South Lake, right? So it, it was it was a delight, a delight. Okay. So then, so then my question was, since uh, you have those big boots uh, to cover and wear 
and so forth. What would you like for your legacy to be? We know the legacy of the late Leon Jaworski. What would you like for yours to be? So I've thought about that, um, and, and it's a moving <laughs> target from time to time. But I think the, the crisis of the moment is guaranteeing voting rights. Um, and we've talked a little Very bit good. about that this evening. But my second would be this, mental health. Um, and, yeah. you know, I, you can say, well, wait a minute, you're, you're, you're talking like a legislator, you're talking like a governor. No, I'm talking like an attorney general because here's what I'd like to see. Um, health insurance is very important, and I know that we live in America, which is all about making a profit. I, I'm fine with that, you know. Um, but uh, I do believe that there is a practice, and if we have some doctors on the call, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's called prior authorization. And okay. it's where, you know, you're going to a doctor who's worked hard his or her life to get a medical license and a degree and, you know, to practice and become, you know, able to treat the human condition. Well, when that discretion, which is so hard-earned, is put up against the power of the insurance company, guess what happens? The insurance companies say, no, doctor, that's not necessary. No, doctor, that care is not reasonable. No, doctor, we're not paying you, so don't order it. So all of a sudden, a for-profit aspect has been inserted into the doctor-patient relationship, and I think someone needs to stand up on behalf of the consumer, which, by the way, is what the Texas Attorney General's office is designed to be, a consumer protection agency for the people, right? You're not the governor's lawyer. You're you're not the legislature's lawyer. You're not the insurance company's lawyer. You're the people's lawyer. So what if I pushed back as attorney general on this whole practice of insurance companies basically having the rule of the roost? And that would be something that would make me very happy because it would allow people to get mental health care. It would allow insurance to be more responsive. It would require them to. And, you know, there would not be this, this little torturous dance that doctors do where they're like, I really am worried about this. I really want to order this test. I really want to prescribe this, but I know they won't pay me for it, so I'll just go the other way. Right. That happens. <laughs> yes, it does. Brother Attorney does. General, I have a question for you. Uh, sure. What about the, 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 the lack of menu? Uh, you know, if I go to this very expensive restaurant called Papados, you may have heard of it, or Land, Landry's. Uh, so usually there's a menu before I can place my order and I know the pricing. Uh, in our hospital, uh, hospitalization way it's set up now, uh, we get a bill after. Is there anything <laughs> that we true. can do about that? Well, I think there and has we don't to know be. The pricing. And we, don't, we don't know the pricing. And, and, and it's weird, too, because it's one price if you have insurance, but another price if you don't. There you go. Exactly and, my point. And, exactly my point. And, Exactly. And then, and then, of course, you know, a lot of, and then, of course, there's the question of is it life saving or is it just palliative or whatever word they want to use? Because apparently we are a very civil society and a, a compassionate society, so that if you are found somehow and someone dumps you off at the emergency room, you know, by law, they have to treat you and try and keep you from dying, mm-hmm. you know? But, mm-hmm. but then the moment yeah. you're not at risk, it's like, okay, you're out. And so, so you what is, yeah, you kicked I mean, out. Yeah. yeah, and and you know because look, we saved your life. Now get out of here. You know, um, yeah. and but yeah. but that is the argument for Medicare for all. You know, um, and 
And I, I understand America wants to have shiny new cars and everybody wants mm-hmm. to be rich. And, and so yeah. we'll, we'll deal with that. But to answer your question, there ought to be um, in the hospital more communication. Uh, I mean, some of the prices these people charge are abhorrent. Um, yeah. And, it's, you know, like for, for a Q-tip and, you know, for a, a vein or something, you know. Um, and a lot of times, you know, you're in the hospital, you're not really able to make a, a decision because usually when you're there, it's bad, you know. Right. You know, I, I, like, I like to comment on that. You know, I mentioned earlier about the uh, the task force, all those different, sure. different components. So you have to, you have to, you know, back to that octopus idea, you have, that's why we have the 20 members on our task force. I'm really excited you mentioned mental health because they're going to be involved with the what we had called earlier the maternity issue. So the prices and what going on in hospitals, I talked about the equity and disparity. That is because uh, we're not across the board all individuals involved with that, not even patient sure. rights and education components. So you need all those components to address that issue. We're allowing issues to be left to maybe the doctors, maybe the hospitals, maybe the insurance companies. Well, you have a representative across the board, and that's another reason why at your state level, I really, you know, at that level, point individual at the table who are making those decisions in Austin. That's very critical to the mm. high level of those, those positions. Make sure you have someone in those positions that, uh, that's from rural, particularly rural community, and also have uh, patients on those on those on those high level committees, because otherwise we'll we are what we're basically doing. We'll line the fox to fix the chicken coop. That's right. And, well, and, the right. Voice, yeah. and so we have to have all all hands have to be on deck and, and the rural yeah. component. And so, uh, again, it, it's back to the octopus again. You can't attack right. the cost of insurance by just talking to the insurance company. You can't because there's a disparity in equity even training positions in the medical schools. So you have to, because uh, the, the equity and disparity exists prior to COVID, exists during COVID. Going as this ethical uh, because we're not addressing all those issues simultaneously. So again, it's back to what we recognize with the task force, and we'll talk with you about that when you come here in East Texas. That's why I'm excited about you coming to East Texas. We'll see you on Saturday. <laughs> well, absolutely, okay. it'll be it'll be the first it'll be the first visit of of multiple. I'm sure. Very good. Yeah. Although it is well, a big listen, state, who said that earlier? Somebody said it's a big state. This is what I hear. That, you better <laughs> believe it's a big state. And I know you got you guys you and you and Pastor Cooper got 254 counties that you got to cover because you can't leave anybody can't leave anybody out. Well, listen, Joe. Let me just tell you this: that your your grandfather would be very very proud. Of, of the work that you're doing, and he left a great legacy uh, for you to follow. And I know that you're going to do amazing uh, work uh, for us in the state of Texas. Tell us exactly how we can find you. We can, and we're so happy that you stepped right here with us almost during our whole entire two hours. Yeah. 9.49 by 10 yeah. till, and we're going to be ending uh, shortly. But, uh, but let everybody that's listening out there know exactly how we can find you, uh, how they can uh, do whatever website. it is that you want. Yes, your website. Absolutely. So well, so we, well we, we have a website that is a one-stop shop, okay? It's got it access to our Facebook, to our Twitter, our Instagram, our merchandise, and, and our contribution link on Act Blue. And it is JaworskiForTexas.com, and, and that's spelled out F-O-R-4, Jaworski4Texas. 
dot com, and that is J A W O R S as in Sam K I for Texas dot com. And surely this is where I put all my writings, and there's you know there's a lot of material on there, and you can spend a couple hours going around. My favorite thing on there is a speech I gave last year. Uh, at the Leon Jaworski Award Luncheon. They've been doing this in Houston for 40 years because the colonel passed away uh, 40 years ago pretty much, 82, so it was about 39 years ago. And um, But here's the great part. It was right before COVID hit. It was like the last big public speech. But what I asked rhetorically, so think about this, March 2020, you know, and this is when Donald Trump was coming out for all these daily COVID briefings. You remember that? Um, mm-hmm. Well, I, I asked the rhetorical question, what would Leon Jaworski say about the state of civic affairs today? Oh, wow. and, and I'd like wow. you to find that remark. Yeah, find that speech. I it's on my that. website. I, mm. I would, I'm, I'm, yes, I'm curious, and I cannot wait. Uh, to read that, and and that's an amazing website that you have where people one stop shop, awesome. and we need more of that so that we can learn everything about you all in that one place. Okay, very good. So the donate button, all of that, all of that is right there. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, you bet. It's that green button that says donate today. It just sticks right <laughs> out. Spoken <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so. like a true so. politician. That's exactly. right. Don't forget. Just exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so we're gonna do a wrap up, and 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 each one of the uh, each one of the hosts will uh, will ask you uh, their final question or make their final comment. And I am so sure. sorry that we couldn't get more of uh, Mr. Arthur in because uh, he's our moral authority guy, and so he always no. has some great yeah. things uh, mm-hmm. to say uh, tonight. So we'll start with you, Pastor Cooper, and, and then we'll go to uh, we'll go to Dr. Hagney. And then I'll say my final, and then we'll give it over to Miss Rihanna. Well, as you say, uh, I'm part of this team, so uh, I'm going to act like a, a host instead of a candidate tonight. So I'm going to make this announcement. We are Democrats' car parade and rally Saturday, June 12th. Parade lineup, 930 at Texas African American Museum, 309 West Martin Luther King, Tyler Rally at noon. Feature speakers. Black Voters Matter, Joe Jaworski, Dr. Richard Hagney, and Dr. Craig Hayes. So be there, be square, or, or be square, be early. Thank you. Very good. Outstanding. <laughs> you did like that so that. well. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. go ahead. That's, 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 that's difficult to follow, so I'll almost say it's Go ahead, Dr. Hagney. Okay, that was excellent. I just, again, I'm just honored to hear his presentation. I just say, following his footsteps, and I just, uh, that question about your legacy, I'm just, I'm, right now I see that you are doing that. I'm proud to be uh, to be part of this, and I just, uh, God bless you, and just God speed ahead uh, for your success. Thank you, Doctor. Right. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, I, I tell you what, I, I'm, I'm in awe. I, it's I feel like that I, I'm reliving this amazing history that your your grandfather left uh, behind. I never never thought that we would have uh, the grandson of uh, the great late and great uh, Leon. Lea, how did your how, what, I know his name? Oh yeah, was I know his, his name was Leonidas. Leonidas or something. 
Leonidas. Leonidas. I, I remember, yes, that it was it was something else aside from Leon, but I know they called him uh, Attorney Leon for short. But uh, but it's just amazing uh, to uh, to have you on uh, with us tonight and talk about your history and all the great work that uh, that we read about uh, in our public school books and all of that. I was in in, in public school when all of this was going on, so uh, so I just feel like I. That I, I'm I'm living a part of, of some amazing history, uh, and then to to have uh, uh, Haley uh, that you spent time with her, it was like spending time with uh, your grandfather, the young lawyer that he was, and the young it's lawyer. It's true. That I, 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 I said know. that to That's her. Amazing. I, I said that to William. <laughs> I said, really? well, you know, uh, I said it looks like she's going to beat the record. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. No, that's amazing. Well, I tell you what, uh, that's how girls do it sometimes, right? Yeah, all the time. That's good. But that—that's beautiful, uh, Joe. And th- and thank you so much. And, and let me tell you, everything that you've had to say to us tonight, we we cannot wait until these things transpire and that you take us back to what the Constitution should really be about. And that's equality for all mankind. So thank you so much for being here tonight. Amen. If you if you have if you have a thirty a thirty second uh, stump speech that you want to end with us, and then we're going to turn it over to Miss Rihanna, and and she's going to take us out for the evening. Well, we'll listen to that few minutes of stump speech because it's all yours if you'd like to have it. And thank you. We look forward to you coming back uh, and being with us uh, once again. Go ahead. Thank thank you, Dr. McKellar. Here's the thirty second. When I graduated law school in 1991 and Richards was governor, I actually met her in the produce section of the Fresh Plus at 43rd and Duval right as I was graduating law school. I don't remember exactly the transcript, the words we said, but I remember how she made me feel. You know, that's what they say. You may not remember what someone said 30 years later, but you remember how they made you feel. She made me feel validated. She made me feel optimistic. Above all, I felt hope. In May 1991, there was every reason to feel hope, but we have fallen far from that. However, my promise to you is the hope is back. 30 years later, 2021, we can smell 2022 right around the corner. There is hope, ladies and gentlemen, because the Republican Party has finally defaulted on their franchise. What people are going to witness over the next year will be a masterpiece of shame. I'm not happy about it. But it is an opportunity. Sometimes it is darkest before the dawn. So let that Republican primary play out so that reasonable Republicans, independents, and all Democrats finally say, you're out, and it's time for a new team on the field. It's time to elect the first Democrat statewide and over a generation, and it will be my honor to do that. Beautiful, outstanding, so beautiful. Thank you so much once again for being on our show tonight, and we look forward to your coming back. And now, Ms. Rihanna, we'll turn it over to you. Okay, and I want to thank our guests also and our our hosts who were on with us. Um, I want to say uh, Leonidas means lion-like, and thank God he passed that down to his son and his grandson because Joe now means lion-like to me. Um, and you just know when somebody is pandering to you and saying what you want to hear, and then you know when somebody means it. It's an honor and a privilege to to know that you mean it and to be on this this uh, 
program with you tonight and to hear what you have to offer Texas. And it's an integrity election for you. We're really excited, and we hope you'll come back and see us on Marvelous Monday. And everybody out there, have a great week. We love you. We appreciate you. And take care of each other. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. One day when the glory comes, it will be ours. It will be ours. Oh, one day when the war is won, we will be the heavens, no man, no weapon, formed against, yes, glory is destined, everyday women and men become legends, sins that go against our skin become blessings, the movement is a rhythm to us, freedom is like religion to us, justice is juxtaposition in us, justice for all just ain't specific enough, one son died, his spirit is revisiting us, true and living, living in us, resistance is us. That's why Rosa sat on the bus. That's why we walked through Ferguson with our hands up. When it goes down, we woman and man up. They say stay down and we stand up. Shots, we on the ground. The camera panned up. King pointed to the mountaintop and we ran up. One day, when the glory comes, it will be out. It will be When the war is won, we will be sure, we will be sure, oh, no. glory, glory, oh. Every man, woman, and child Even Jesus got his crown in front of a crowd They march with the torch, we gon' run with it now Never look back, we done gone hundreds of miles From dark roads, heroes, to become a hero Facing the league of justice, his power was the people Enemy is lethal, a king became regal Saw the face of Jim Crow under a bald ego The biggest weapon it's to stay peaceful, we sing, our music is the cuts that we bleed through Somewhere in the dream we had an epiphany Now we right the wrongs in history No one can win the war individually It takes the wisdom of the elders and young people's energy Welcome to the story we call victory The coming of the Lord, my eyes have seen the glory One day, when the glory comes, it will be
good night.